Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Atlanta guys, Sports Spectacular, here we go. And boy, it's a good feeling around uh, Champaign right now because of the basketball team. Big wins in the past week at Rutgers, uh, Madison Square Garden. They uh, made New York City their second home. Uh, back-to-back years, they get the win of the Jimmy Fee Classic. We've got Marcus Damascus coming up in a few minutes. We're here from Brad Underwood in a moment as well. Um, big show, hour number two, if you're still with us. Danny Werfel, the former Heisman Trophy winner, will join us to talk about, um, well, one, what he's doing right now, but also the Heisman uh, vote is Saturday night in New York City, and we'll talk a bit about that as well. So we have a lot coming up. Uh, we'll certainly get the update as well from Matt uh, Stevens um, on Illini football. But I do want to say one thing before we get started here. Um, several years ago, I got a chance to meet Eric Kramer. You guys uh, remember um, Eric Kramer, uh, former quarterback of the Bears and the Lions. Um, what you may not know is Eric attempted suicide several years ago, uh, took a gun, put it under his chin and pulled the trigger. Um, Eric is still with us right now, even though he did that and has a new book out um, that I think is really something that if you're a football fan or not, you may want to to, to pick up and read. But anyway, Eric's going to join us here on the show um, in just a bit. It's a two part interview that I did a few days ago, and uh, we're going to run the first part today. And the second part next week. So hopefully you'll stick around uh, for that as well. Well, where are the Illini guys? Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Glad you're here with us. Uh, fellas, Illini basketball. And Brad Sturdy was in New He was in New York, not only in New Jersey for Rutgers, but in New York in the house Tuesday night and had a front row seat to what has been just a really fun week of basketball for uh, for Illinois. Man, what a what a fun trip, you know. I mean, it it was it was a long trip, but I mean, it was great. I mean, you, you get to see some great basketball. Um and, and you know, obviously winning at Rutgers is is a huge win no matter when it is because that is a difficult place to play. If you haven't been there, the rack is just it's it's they're electric, it's they're on top of you. I mean, it's just there's so much energy. They do a great job with their uh, you know, promotion stuff and Illinois just took the crowd right out of it. Um, they were fantastic. And then there's the garden, right? You know, I mean, the garden is just a, a great place. Um, you know, the Mecca, they call it. And, you know, it's right above Penn Station. Everybody's coming in and out. There's people everywhere. You get in there in that arena in that second half when you had all the Yukon, Carolina, Illinois, and uh, FAU fans in there. It was electric atmosphere to watch Illinois and Florida Atlantic. Two, a Final Four team from a year ago. Two top 20 teams. You had four top 20 teams in this event. It was fantastic. I mean, if you ever get a chance to go, obviously, um, Brad, funny thing, Brad Underwood after the game said, I hope they ask us back again next year. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. So if you ever get a chance to go, it's a great experience. If they want to go back next year, I'm sure Illini fans would be big, big, uh, you know, big approvers of that with the uh, two years in a row of, of beating a top 11 team. Uh, that that's pretty exciting. And I will tell you that, you know, Purdue has had a string of, of games where they, they, you know, played some top competition and won. now Illinois is putting together a similar type of thing. It will be very interesting to see how they do against Tennessee, but that game's going to be harder than any game Illinois or Purdue has played yet as they will be going onto the volunteers home floor um, th- this is this is a really fun time, and Illini fans 
when a team starts playing like this, really sit down and appreciate it because you, you, they just they, they're really playing at a high level right now. Really fun to watch. And I, you know, we were all texting, of course, the other night, you know, after the game. And I was saying that it's one thing for um, a program like Illinois to be invited to the Jimmy V in back to back years. It's another to win both of those games and to beat a number two team in the country in overtime like they did last year with Texas and to come back and beat uh, the team everyone's watching in Florida Atlantic, which is a really, really good team. Um, it speaks volumes, uh, Brad, I think, for where this program is right now. Rankings are one thing, and 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 yeah, it's fine, but there's a lot of respect there for Brad Underwood and what this program, what the coaching staff has built. When you get that kind of attention, ESPN, by, by the way, no longer has a Big Ten deal, so you didn't have to bring a Big Ten team in, but to be uh, a program that's invited back, back-to-back years, I think that's pretty special. There's no question. I mean, Illinois is a legit pl- program. The the fans obviously travel well. We know Illini Nation, they love to, to get on the road and go to these games. But the other thing is Illinois is competitive year in and year out. You always know you're going to get a great effort from this Illinois team and they're going to put it on the show. And, you know, they did obviously the last two years, they put on great show beating Texas and then they beat um, FAU. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw in my, my post game, do you realize Terrence Shannon is four and in the Jimmy V classic? Yeah. yeah that's the only year he wasn't there was the year, the, the COVID year when, when, um, you know, Illinois played, it was in Indianapolis. And that was Illinois actually played in it that year as well. But yeah, so he's been in it four times at Madison Square Garden. He's four and So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, this Illinois team is is playing at a high level. It's a great, uh, it shows what Brad Underwood's done with this program. They've come back from the abyss. You know what I mean? I mean, this was a, it, there was a time for about 10 years when almost you know, lost relevancy. And now you're a name program again. You're on the ticker every day because you're ranked and, and they win at Tennessee. They're going to be in the top 10 next week. I don't think there's any doubt. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, what we have here is you have Brad Underwood has put Illinois back on the aisle of relevancy. And he's picked up and carried the program from the mess that John Gross had left it in. And for four years in a row, the Illini have been ranked in the preseason rankings. Ironically, as fantastic as Lou Henson was, and the the you know those coaches in those eras after Lou Henson, they're they've never done that before, and so Brad Underwood has achieved bringing Illinois back to where they many Illinois fans think they should be as the 14th most winning program, and now the 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 game is you know get ready for the season, and then put together a streak in the in the tournament and I think we are seeing elements of what a team needs to do to be good in the postseason which is overcoming mistakes and not going into a ditch as soon as things go bad and we're seeing that in the team this year well here's a chance to kind of play uh pretend that it's March and NCAA tournament back-to-back games against top 20 teams uh they take on FAU and they beat them 98-89 and now Saturday 11 a.m central time tip-off in Tennessee. Let's listen to Coach Underwood uh, talking uh, about this performance after the win over the Owls Tuesday night. I said this Dusty's team is as connected as any team I've seen. Um, I think there is the best passing team in college basketball, the best team I've seen, and, um, which makes what we did tonight even better from my standpoint because that's a team that's 100 plus practices last year 
40 games, Final Four, uh, an off season, and now this year back together. And, and that's so rare in today's world. And, and for our group to uh, to fight them uh, is one of the reasons I was very excited about this game. Uh, obviously, the, the, the cause and, and, and Jimmy G is the, the main reason. But uh, uh, for our basketball team, there was a lot of growth. and. Uh, Every game takes on its own identity. The one we played uh, on Saturday was completely different from this one, and, and uh, it was nice to be able to adjust and make the adjustments we need. So uh, all in all, uh, nice win and, and uh, ecstatic to get on a plane and get ready for Tennessee. We had a pretty good game, uh, very similar team in Marquette uh, at home who plays very fast and was elite in transition. And, and uh, we had to we had to stop that. Uh, this team gets going to transition, making threes, and they can they can you know score 100 pretty easy. Uh, the game still has a lot of possessions, but uh, uh, I thought making them face us in the half court uh, could take its toll over the course of time, and, and, and hopefully we can we can fatigue them out with our size and our physicality. We 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 knew his versatility, and we knew you know he's. Like you, like you said, he hasn't shot the ball great, and, and he's a he's a really good shooter. But uh, just a guy who can who can play multiple positions. Uh, I felt really comfortable. Um, I had a player in the past, Thomas Walker, who you know I'm not trying to compare those two, but uh, you know could play power forward or could play point guard. And um, you know Marcus's passing is what sold me. And uh, you know he became the he became the. One of the one of the cabinet's guys, and and we knew he was capable of this, and and uh, what a show tonight! They got a huge performance from Marcus Damascus. You know, this is something that we kind of saw. I now I, I will say this: I expect Damascus. If you look at his numbers, played really well against Marquette, played really well against Rutgers, and then he plays on another level against uh, FAU. But I mean, we saw we know he's a really good player. I mean, I've been telling people he's a really good player since the spring. He's going to be good. But I think the one thing is this was probably one of those extra games where the guy's just is just feeling it. He's in the zone and you see him, but he gives Illinois such a, a important piece opposite Terrence Shannon. Now you have these two guys. It's not all on Terrence and it's not a freshman. Last year, it ended up being like a Jay Nepps thing or sometimes, you know, Matt Meyer had some moments, but he wasn't consistent with it. You know, he didn't. And he, when he wasn't going well, he couldn't do the other things. So now you have really two legit playmakers, guys who make plays at the end of games, really gives you a great opportunity to, to, to be really good and handle uh, runs and, and foul trouble and things like that. Yeah, and Damask is a big guy. You don't notice that until you get up next to him, but he's not a like Russ rounded up to 6'6". He is 6'6", broad-shouldered, and he gives me the feeling that I used to get with the Ohio State teams that would give Illinois trouble because their wings were so long. And you put the wrong guard on Marcus Damask, that's two points and maybe an and one in the lane, and he knows what he's doing. Well, and I think that's the difference into your point, guys. What I loved about his game the other night and, and developing with each game as he gets more comfortable with this team, uh, talking about Damask here, is that he he doesn't force his shot he doesn't force his play if it's not there he's not going to take it but once Terrence got going and the attention went that way he went to work 
Um, and he's got more moves than what you realize. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. So, guys, Tennessee, we've got about a minute here before we hit a break. Um, Brad, what's the feeling right now? I would I would think these guys, the confidence is soaring, and they they not just as you mentioned on your story on AtlantaGuys.com, not just want to win two out of three in this stretch. They're ready for the sweep. Yeah, they are. You know, it's funny. We joked about it being house money, you know, before. And it's like they got the two wins and now you go to the third. Yeah, it's house money. Nah, I talked to him after the game on uh, talk to the coaches and some of the players after the game at Madison Square Garden. And three and oh is the goal. And there was never it, it's we got to win three. And this is a huge game. And they are fired up and ready to go. And they feel really confident about themselves. Tennessee's tough, though. They can really guard you. And they will make it difficult. It's at Tennessee. It's in that venue is going to be rocking. There's no football, so they don't have anything else to watch. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I, I think Illinois feels really good about where they're at. Yeah, this team is is loaded for bear. Now it's going to see if they can get the pelt up on the wall. There you go. Uh, it's a CBS game. Uh, CBS, they don't come to Champaign. I don't know why it is, but for the last four years at least, I've been waiting. doesn't happen. Uh, 11 a.m. tip. By the way, more on this game coming up. We've got Marcus Damas, Mr. Career High, 33 points. Uh, joins us next right here on the Sports Spectacular. We're just getting started. You're listening to the Illini Guys Radio Network. Keep it right here. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Are you tired of your friends and family members being the center of attention? Always the life of the party? Always the one who knows something no one else does? Then change the game with IlliniGuys.com. Insider info on your favorite teams. Analysis on the latest games. Weekly chats with coaches. You take control of the room with IlliniGuys.com. Regular updates from the experts put you courtside and in the locker room. But wait, there's more. Act now and get this free Guys sweatshirt. Comfortable, stylish. Tell the world, I'm an Illini guy and you're not. Don't delay. This is a limited time offer. Go to IlliniGuys.com, click the Black Friday button, and you are on your way to cool guy status. Feature articles, game analysis, members-only message boards with insider info, plus the cool sweatshirt, all yours. May they never ignore you again. Thanks to IlliniGuys.com. Sign up today. Back with the Sports Spectacular, Illini guys, Larry, Mike, and Brad. And we're joined by the other Illini guy, Marcus Damask, on the show each week, presented by HX Home Solutions. We appreciate all their support. Um, you know what? Marcus is uh, BMOC on campus this week. Uh, had the big win over Rutgers last week at Rutgers. Walks into a Madison Square Garden, no issues at all. Throws out a 33, career high, that's all. And now heading into the, the game Saturday at Tennessee. Marcus, you know, last time we talked, you were heading into these two venues, Rutgers, maybe the hardest place to play as a visitor in the Big Ten. And then, of course, Madison Square Garden. Talk about just the emotions of these past couple of games, what that was like to to step onto these stages and perform. I mean, it was fun. Um, Rutgers was a, a heck of an environment. You know, for the most part, we control most of the game where we were able to kind of keep the environment in check and in our favor. But when they went on runs, I can see why it's such a tough place to play. You know, it was loud. And then the garden, I mean, the garden's a special place, you know, just the history that goes on in there. It was, 
it was really cool to just go out on the court and, and play a game in the garden. I, I don't know if you realize, did you, I'm sure you've watched like sports center and all that stuff and seen all this, these things, but you realize that that's the second highest scoring output in the history of the Jimmy V classic in 20 years, your 33 points. Did you realize that? Yeah, I saw that a couple people sent me screenshots. I haven't actually like turned on sports center, watched anything like that, but yeah, a couple people sent me pictures and stuff. So yeah, I did see that. Is that, is that so when you put that in perspective, I mean, that's like, I mean, I don't know. Last year you're playing at SIU and nobody really, I mean, I'm not, I mean, obviously people in the Midwest knew who Marcus Damascus was the basketball. Now you're a national name. I mean, you're like, you're big time, man. What's that feel like? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's sunk in, you know, I just feels the same. I got up today, went to the arena, did my <laughs> stuff and came back. Like, it's the same life. Dude, the, the man is too cool. But I tell you what, it was it was an, an amazing game. Um, what I thought was interesting is is did you did you have a feel when you were guarded by certain guys that you were going to take them inside and use some of those skills that you've developed over the years? Um, you know, to 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 use that to your advantage and the Illini advantage on the inside. Yeah, I felt like. That game, you know, we we kind of felt like we had some favorable matchups between me and Terrence, and it was more just exploiting the matchups than it was running our offense. Like we kind of ran our offense to just get in the matchups, and then from there, we just attacked. You know, and depending on who was guarding me, who was guarding other people, they were switching. So we just kind of chose who we wanted on us, and then went from there. It's funny that somebody on the Illini guys dot com, um, the, there's a game room that goes on you know, during the game. All the members jump in and, and chat real time. And it might have been Brad Sturdy talking about, you know, this is almost like an NBA game, like a lot of you guys running some ISOs and kind of clearing the court. And between the two of you, just kind of really you guys dictated the, the tempo for, the, for the, the better part of that game. Yeah, we felt like we thought that was just something we could do. You know, FAU is extremely skilled. You know, their guards are super skilled, the good big man. But just the size advantage that we had at almost every position other than the center position, we just had the size advantage. So, you know, just with how they were guarding ball screens and stuff, we kind of knew our looks going into it. And I just thought we executed and did what we wanted to. You also, one thing you had to do as well was bring the ball up the floor a lot. I mean, you, it was a lot, a lot of times you're bringing the ball up the floor. Um, Coach uh, Dusty from uh, FAU, he mentioned that they were hoping that they were trying to you know, pressure you 94 feet in the hope that it would kind of wear you down over the course of that game. He talked about in the post game, he said, and he said, you, you never really got, didn't appear to get tired and didn't get sped up. I mean, so you can tell the truth here. Were you a little tired at the end of that game or did the adrenaline <laughs> just flowing? Not really. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't feel too tired. You know, I mean, we, we do conditioning. You know, I work with Fletch. We try to get in the best shape we can. So I guess that's just credit to Fletch, credit to the diet he put me on and all that stuff. We just took care of business, I guess, with Fletch. So this brings up a, a really a fantastic game on the weekend with Tennessee. It, you know, is there anything that, that fans can be looking for? Are we going to see a similar type of effort now that you guys are moving up in the rankings uh what 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 should fans be watching for on the game saturday 
I would just ex expect us to play really hard. You know, going into Tennessee, probably the toughest game of the year so far, you know, on the road at Tennessee. So uh, a game that we're excited for and we're just going to play really hard because it's, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, wrapping up here with Marcus Damask, we've got a couple more questions as we uh, before we let you let you go here. What's the difference um, on the feel of this team? We, every time we talk, you guys, you feel more comfortable. Um, three straight games now, you guys have hit 40% or better of your three-point shots, shooting fewer threes than what you were earlier on. It just feels like everyone's not only got a better feel for each other, but also the offense, the game plan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it, you've got to have great confidence, I think, coming off these two wins, going into a hostile environment like you're going to find in Knoxville. Yeah, the confidence is definitely growing. I think the chemistry is growing. As far as shooting, I mean, Terrence and Luke have been lights out. Uh, Justin's been shooting really well. Other than that, we have a lot of a lot of guys that are better shooters than we're showing. You know, I can shoot the ball a lot better than I've shown. Quincy can shoot it way better. Coleman, Dre, like really the rest of us. You know, so I think the shooting's just hopefully going to continue to go up with the numbers. Marcus, so just just real quick, so when you look at Tennessee and you, you talk about, you know, obviously it's a tough game. Is there something that um, makes them different? You you had really different games too, like Rutgers is one style, FAU's one style. Now Tennessee's a little bit different style. With they have a little bit more length and they play a little, you know, their defense is known for being really good. So what, how do you make that adjustment from game to game? Just just focusing on the scout. Our coaches watch a lot of film. And give the scouting reports to us, and it's our job to understand what the other team's trying to do. We haven't dove into Tennessee yet. You know, we had an off day after the game, so we'll start prep tomorrow. So I can't answer detailed about what Tennessee is because you know I haven't haven't got the scouting report yet. But once we get that, you just dive into the scouting report, and we get locked in on the next game. Well, we wouldn't want you to on the radio show. We don't want to give right. Tennessee any <laughs> any. We don't want to give them any help, right? So. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Marcus, uh, we will, uh, Brad will be in the house and we'll all be watching from home as well. Uh, best of luck um, down there at uh, Thompson Bowling Arena. Get that W and come on back and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Marcus Damaski is here every week here on the Illini Guy Sports Spectacular presented by HX Home Solutions. We appreciate all that they do. Hey, we talked earlier about uh, our interview with uh, Eric Kramer, the former Bears quarterback, um, and just a remarkable story. Part one of that interview is after this on the Sports Spectacular. Hi, Larry Smith here with details on a special Illini Guys deal with one of the premier home building and remodeling companies in greater Chicago, HX Home Solutions. If you live in the Chicago area or if you know someone who does and your home or business is in need of attention, Call HX, tell them you're with the Illini guys, and get $1,000 off your project. They offer full residential, commercial, and industrial remodeling and new construction services, and only use the best in-class products with the top installers. Get $1,000 off with the Illini guys discount. Why HX? They're experienced in business since 1950. They're respected, an A rating from the Better Business Bureau, and over 100 five-star reviews on Google. They're elite. They use only top materials like James Hardy siding. I have Hardy Plank on my own home. It's durable, looks good, and increased the value of my home. Marvin Windows, 
hail-proof Ural Shield roofing, and much more. And they finish on time. None of this stuff sitting in your driveway weeks after they were supposed to be done already. The Illini Guys discount is available to anyone listening to this message. Their number is 224-880-6000 and their website, hxhomesolutions.com. Be sure to mention the Illini Guys to get your discount. HXHomeSolutions.com. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022 and right now you can get vivens home security technology for about a dollar a day plus get free professional installation from a licensed technician protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day call right now for your free home security consultation 800-613-8053-800-613-8053 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Hello, this is Brett Dillman, the Illinois head football coach, and you're listening to Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. On the night of August 18, 2015, retired NFL quarterback Eric Kramer checked into a Southern California motel. His soul devastated by the accidental death of his oldest son, the death of his mother, a fatal cancer diagnosis for his father and the end of his marriage. This was the night he would end it. He pulled out the loaded gun he purchased specifically for this moment, held it under his chin, and pulled the trigger. Eight years later, Eric is still with us, miraculously without a physical trace of that horrible night. But amazingly, the emotional vacancies that led him to that near-tragic decision have been filled. To see him smile and laugh and talk candidly about his journey is everything. Because Eric Kramer isn't supposed to be here. He has a new book, the title, The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. It is my sincere hope that this isn't dismissed as some football player who got beat up too much. Eric details the root of his depression in the hopes that it can help others avoid falling into that dark place that's just a stumble away for all of us. I've done thousands of interviews in my career. Few are more meaningful than this one because Eric Kramer isn't supposed to be here. Here is part one of our conversation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure my research is accurate on this. You remain the only quarterback since the 1957 NFL championship to lead the Lions to a playoff victory. Am I right? Look at that you. Look at you smiling. That is unfortunately true, Larry, <laughs> but I think that's going to change this year. Uh, if I could, there's not a lot of life you can guarantee, but I would guarantee the Lions win a playoff game this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. And listen, w- we all would like to see that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't root for the Lions the way that you do, but I think that, um, you know, uh, the people of Detroit are some of the best people ever. I've always enjoyed every time I've been up there, um, you know, for personal or professional reasons. And so I totally agree with you. Um, if you if you think Chicago is starved yeah. for a winning team of any kind, yeah, so is Detroit. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're like – you know, next door brothers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and and to your point, just keep stumbling and kind of unforced errors on the road. You're exactly right. Um, you had the 10 year career. And um, I know that you, you've mentioned, you talk about in, in, in the book and, and, you know, shared in other interviews and things that 
Um, you know, look, everything went well. I mean, you were, you know, undrafted, you fought your way through 10 years, uh, made a name for yourself again, um, made money, did very well. Um, and seemed like things were going well. You're leading that. I mean, look, I mean, who among us would not be, want to be a, a handsome retired NFL quarterback who's, um, you know, and is financially doing well and just go play golf, do what you want to do. Right. I mean, it's kind of where we all would be. Um, but I, I guess I, I kind of would like to, if you, if we could dive into, um, the night in the hotel. Um, and as I mentioned earlier that, um, a suicide attempt and we're all thankful that it failed. Yeah. Um, can you, can you me me included, by the yeah, way, you include exactly. So it is, uh, I mean, if I were <laughs> at the top of that list, yeah, we're, we're talking virtually, but I would hug you yeah. if I, if I were there with you, because I am, um, I'm, I'm thankful that it didn't, it, it didn't work. Um, I, you don't have to go into too great a detail, but in, you know, in your words, just kind of tell us kind of what happened and how you got to that point. So, um, the first time, so I, I had dealt with, with, uh, what's known as depression, even as a player, meaning, um, back in 1994, um, when I first went from the lions to the bears, that was the first team since youth football that had ever come to say, hey, we want you to be the guy. So you mentioned I didn't recruit I didn't get drafted out of college. I didn't get recruited out of high school. So I didn't right. I didn't play quarterback in high school. In fact I wanted to. I just kept getting beat out. Yeah. And then I went to a junior college. And um in fact the first year there, they had a guy coming back that had already had a good freshman season. So I did what they call gray shirting. So I went part time. And, uh, and then, uh, I, from NC, so the next year I was a backup at Pierce and then I finally got my chance to play and we were pretty good. And so that's how I got a chance to go to NC state, but they also recruited and two other guys went from California junior college guys. Um, so there was no, nowhere along the way did anyone say, Hey, (laughs) clearly you're our guy. So, (laughs) When I go to Chicago, the fact that somebody actually did that made me jump up and down in the bed one night after going there. And then literally, like, I can't believe this is happening. And it it was the second year, I believe, of free agency. Well, the season rolls around and, and I'm starting and we're, you know, I don't know three or four games into the season. And I separate a shoulder versus, uh, I think it was, uh, Minnesota. And so uh, we're probably, I don't know, it's like a six-week injury, right? So uh, four four to six weeks, something like that. And so uh, when I was ready to play, I think I played one game and we didn't win. And then I'm back on the bench again. And so now you got, okay, I'm paying to be played or paying to play, but no. So I felt like I wasn't really. So that's the first time I ever came in line with something called depression. And so, and, and, and it kind of comes and it goes in my life back then. Um, And so you're alluding to the fact of my suicide attempt. So that wasn't until 2015 Mm -hmm. and the events leading up to that. um, One of, so my my wife, my then wife and I were uh, separated, mm-hmm. and 
what happened, this is back in, in this, we got separated, I want to say 2010, um, early 2010. Um, Griffin had been, that was my older son, Griffin had been in, um, in his 10th grade year of his high school years, um, went into a drug rehabilitation center, meaning he left school to go to this place called Visions mm -hmm. uh, for, I think it was, I want to say three months or so 90 days. And from there, he went to their outpatient program. So he lived at home, basically to sleep and go to this inpatient program or outpatient, excuse me. And then it was about a year, let's say, you know, 13, 14 months-ish. And I could tell uh, along the way, he went from, thank God you have me here, to at, he could see the finish line coming. And it was like, oh, that was his brainwashing. Hmm. And I said, uh-oh. Okay. So it wasn't long after that uh, that he was now back in school, which okay. he probably shouldn't have been at, and then uh, playing football, which he probably shouldn't have been doing, and um, uh, had an episode where he overdosed, um, heroin overdose, mm. uh, accidental death, nonetheless. Um, it was a crushing blow to not just me, but Dylan, who at the time was 13 and in eighth grade, and uh, all those around. Mm -hmm. And I remember that's the saddest period of time, not even just the day itself, but that whole time period was crazy uh, in not a good way. And Prior to that, though, that was in, what, uh, late October, October 30th, 2011. Earlier that year, on Mother's Day, my Dylan and I were um, uh, playing golf with my mom and her then husband. Now, they're both passed away. Um, and afterward, Doug, that was my mom's husband, took Dylan uh back to their house I think and my mom and I stayed and had a little lunch or something and then as I'm walking her to the car she's like oh I'm gonna um I'm getting some tests back tomorrow I said what tests oh I just hasn't really I haven't really been feeling all that great was called up the next day and says I've got stage four uterine cancer mm. so there was you know they found an oncologist and there was some ridiculous surgery she had to have where they removed literally parts of two or three organs. So she makes it out of there somehow. Um, and then uh, sometime after Griffin passed away, it returned. And so she passed away in July 12th of 2012. Ugh. And then around the time she passed away, uh, my dad, um, had some untreated esophageal, or no, he untreated acid reflux, which turned into esophageal cancer. Oh. So that was about a three year or so slow yet never ending uh, downturn. And so it just took, a, it was an emotional like uh, toll that was like one 
body blow after another, after another, after another. And it just felt like everybody was going that way rather than that way. Mm -hmm. And so I fell into a depression like I've never felt before. And, uh, and I went about doing something that no one ever wants to do. Uh, and, and it's, I remember someone very close to me now um, saying, talking about this as, as though it was an accident. And I said, no, 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 no. It was very much planned out. How could it be an accident? Then some years went by. And then I, then I got it. Then I'm thinking nobody in their right mind would ever sit down and do that on purpose with a clear head. Because depression robs you, really, of your perspective, any perspective. And so you're literally looking at life through a pinhole. Uh, and sometimes not even that. And so you don't, you lose, you lose everyone else's, you lose your own and everyone else's. And so that unfortunately resulted in me heading down a path to want to end my life, getting a gun, going to a hotel and actually pulling the trigger. I thought I had this whole thing researched out. And so um, nobody's more happy than me that I'm still here. And because of that, Dylan doesn't have to deal with losing a father. And other people don't have to deal with losing a friend or another type of family member. Mm -hmm. And you don't understand when you're in it, how for you, your suicide's over for you. Everyone else that knew you and knows you, it's just beginning. And you don't think about those things at yeah. the time. You don't yeah. think about life that way. Yeah. Now I do. And, um, and so it was a very dark time. Um, but now it's a very, like, things have gone in such a way, thank, thank, thankfully for the doctors involved, for family members and friends. And um, I couldn't be, happy is not the right word. I couldn't be more connected and satisfied with my life today like this is the most complete and satisfied i've been in my life not that i had a bad life before but i do feel like i have a really good perspective on me on those around me on life itself and the things that are happening as a result today of that perspective yeah we're talking with Eric Kramer, the former NFL quarterback. And again, the new book out is The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. As he mentioned, um, it just came out here um, earlier, uh, just a few weeks ago in, in November. Eric, I want to ask you a difficult question. Um, because I'm a journalist, and there's probably somebody listening to this um, that is asking the same question. So forgive me in advance. Um, because there is a chance that none of us have a chance to talk with someone who's experienced what you've experienced. So my question <laughs> is, is, put that. is it fair? And I, well, I, I want you to know, I mean, this is honestly from the heart. I'm That's not a very well thought, a thought out way to put that. 
yeah well it it it, it is and it's um and 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 here, i guess here's here's my i have a couple of questions and the first one is um i remember you you've you talk about that you were in the hotel room, you'd planned this out, you bought the gun for this purpose. Yeah. Um, you had made some phone calls, certain phone calls to say goodbye. Right. Um, you pull the trigger and then one of the people who you called then calls you. Yeah. You pull the trigger, but you're still conscious enough to answer the phone and tell, what was that moment you pull the trigger, you think it's over, but you look up and you're still in the hotel room. Is that? So I have no recollection of anything. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. This is stuff that was told to me. Right, right, right. So this is someone I went to high school with who was a um, officer at the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, which was literally right down the street from the good night in of all places to pick <laughs> the good night in. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Okay. Chris. Apparently, I texted him, and he was in the New Orleans area getting one of his sons kind of set up for college. And his son, his sons went to the same high school Griffin did. Okay. And uh, and so um, he apparently didn't get the text because I think he was, I don't know, out to a movie or something. And saw it and apparently i told him where i was mm -hmm. and what i was going to do which i have no recollection of doing mm -hmm. but apparently he called um he got so he he called i don't know if he called the paramedics or he called the the um the the, the sheriff's department itself but apparently he and this is a story i got from chris and believe me I, it was hard for me to get this out of him so, okay. Like, okay. What, he's like, why are you asking me about this? Right. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> because most don't get a chance to do that. <laughs> right. right. So apparently he called my cell phone and I didn't answer it. So he called the hotel and they rang my room, and apparently I did pick that up. So he he heard me kind of gurgling. Yeah. And said, "Whatever's in your hand, drop it." If there's anything in here, something like that. Yeah. And he did hear something, I guess, hit the floor. Okay. And he's like, you know, there's somebody outside your room right now that wants to help you. So apparently I got up and walked down the steps and got in the ambulance. I, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. Apparently that's what happened. At what point were you, I'm assuming, you know, and, and and this part of the book I haven't read. I've, I've read some parts of it. I can't wait to sit down and read the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, as we mentioned, I just, you know, right. a few hours ago said, wait a minute. <laughs> you and I have known each other on the periphery for a long time. Didn't know you had the book about this. Um, at what point did you, um, were you aware that you were still with us and you had survived it? Do you Do you know how many days or weeks that was? I really don't. I don't remember. Um, I remember. I, I think I don't. I think there was two several hospitals I was in, which I have no recollection of either one of them. Yeah. I I guess I was at one of the UCLA also has a brain um, traumatic something head injury. And I think I was there for a couple of weeks. Um, and then uh, 
I, I do remember being there <clears throat> and I remember this woman coming in one day and basically just standing around my bed and we were chit-chatting for something and I don't I mean who is this woman and it was uh so who turned out that to be was my aunt and Anna had researched this place called CNS Center for Neuroskills over in the area that I live um like I've I've as a kid probably drove by that thing 8,000 times and never knew that's what that was. Uh, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a brain rehab clinic, but there is. <laughs> and so um, I went and they have two homes as well. So I went to live at one of them. Mm -hmm. And again, here's, you know, Anna and Patrice, both of them were near a freeway. Mm -hmm. Okay. But one was more near an off ramp. Okay. So they didn't choose that one okay. thinking maybe I would wander up the off ramp. <laughs> so, so it was a period of time where, um, you know, again, I don't recollect a lot of what happened even back then, but I'm told I didn't know why I was there. Wow. Like I would literally say, what am I doing here? Eric Kramer's book is titled The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with a Purpose. You can find it on Amazon. And if you or someone you know is suffering from depression or contemplating suicide, please know that help is just a phone call away. Just dial on any phone the numbers 988. And that's all. And someone will answer and we'll talk with you then. We'll have part two with Eric Kramer next week. We'll be right back. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? 
They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Yeah, we were talking here during the break uh, about the officiating. Guys, you see the Packers-Chiefs game, um, just some of the calls. I mean, Brad, you were saying several calls. The one that stuck out for me was the one there at the end, the pass interference that would have put the Chiefs down inside the 20 in the final minutes. Um, I mean, the defender was all, I don't know how you, how do you not call that? Yeah, it was, it wasn't quite as egregious as the, was it, wasn't it the Saints-Rams game a yeah. few years back in the playoffs? Yeah, but I thought the idea was that they could review pass interference plays, and I thought that was the whole idea. And I, I maybe they're out of timeouts, whatever. But I mean, this is one of those things that you have to get that call right because it does change the outcome of a game. And I know officials may, may miss calls, but the NFL is a multi-billion-dollar industry. This isn't a high school football game where officials miss calls because they're getting like seventy-five dollars a game or something like that. These guys are like full-time dudes. I mean, and they, you know, it's been 17 weeks. They got to be better. Um, and I know it's hard. It's not, it's hard. And, and you know, maybe it means we got to add an official, whatever it is. We need to get those calls right. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, both college officials and NFL officials need to sit down and, and be instructed what the heck a pass interference is because the last two weeks between the college and the NFL games, I've seen guys, again, I don't want flags everywhere, but I've seen defenders push guys with the ball in the air. I've seen them not even looking at the ball and grabbing a, a, a receiver. I think they need to strip this down to the, to the, the bones and build it back up because I, I, right now I don't know anymore what a pass interference call is because one guy is getting away with the Malachi crunch and it's not being called and somebody else can't even touch. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. It's um, and, and guys, to your point, there's too much money being paid out by, by the TV networks, you know, by the advertisers. There's too much money being bet on the games. There's too much money in salaries. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, there's way too much money just to let this thing go. Um, and you've got to find a way to, to figure it out. And we get plays like this. That's exactly right. You know, another issue that's come up, um, should the NFL allow a third quarterback to dress and, and maybe perhaps maybe not count against your, against your number, just to have somebody there. We're running in a couple of situations here where, you know, guys are quarterbacks or teams are getting thin because if their guys are banged up. Yeah, I think you need to, I, I think you need, that's the most important position on the team. Like you can stick a different guy and, different roles you can run a one a note you can run without tight ends you can run with two wide receivers you can run different plays putting tight ends in different spots <clears throat> you can't play without a quarterback are you gonna run the option i mean you got to have a guy who could throw the ball out there in the nfl and and i i just think that's 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 something you need to make sure is available um because it's so unique um as a position and, and i think that would be a good thing NFL's making over six billion a year on their TV contracts. So you can afford to go to 54 on your roster if you need to, or do what Larry says and have a floater position. I think it's worth it. I do think this is the path that you go down when you add a 17th game 
into the schedule because you the injuries are real and then somehow we're seeing more of these you know leg injuries achilles and stuff like that and and i just think you've got to have a third one just for the quality of the game but i think they can afford it well said back with more after this you're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Illini Guys, Sports Spectacular. We continue now. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Um, we've got a busy second hour here uh, coming up in just a bit. We've, uh, uh, we'll take a look around uh, Big Ten basketball. Um, boy, Wisconsin right now. What a, what a run they've been on. Uh, six straight wins. Uh, they beat Marquette last week Last week to get into the top 25 for the first time. They opened Big Ten play um, with a win at Michigan State. Could they be possibly the third best team behind Purdue at Illinois? We'll talk a bit about that. Also, uh, end of the hour, we'll do our uh, our Heisman picks as well. You know, Sturdy has been like Nostradamus with this whole pick thing that we've been doing this season, and so we'll see if he can continue. Um, and we will check that out as well. Uh, also, uh, we've got a chat with uh, none other than Danny Warfel. The former Heisman Trophy winner is uh, joining us here in just a few moments. Right now, though, let's talk a little Illinois football from IlliniGuys.com. Matt Stevens, he's a senior football writer and analyst, and we'll talk about, uh, you know, Matt, unfortunately, no bowl to talk about, but still lots of uh, activity. Uh, let's start with the, the big news that, that happened over the weekend. Uh, Reggie Love III, the running back, um, deciding to go elsewhere with the uh, with Caden Fagan coming on as a true freshman this year before he was injured. You could kind of see or maybe read the tea leaves that this was possible. Yeah, it actually happened about five minutes before Brett Bielema took the podium for his end of the year media conference. I don't know if Reggie made it intentionally did it that way or uh, it was just a coincidence. But, uh, you know, when we got Bielema, he kind of gave us the impression that he knew where this was headed and he knew where this is headed because I guess it was a uh, a recruitment to get Reggie back this past year um, because, you know, obviously Reggie has the ability, had the ability to go in the transfer portal, seeing as how he never left Illinois and now he's a graduate. So he had the ability to do it again um, and has the COVID year to use. So um, there's a lot of speculation on where Reggie's going to end up. Uh, his high school coach is obviously coaching at Purdue. That would not be a good idea for, for, or not be a good news for anybody who wants to not watch Reggie love, play against them potentially. But uh, I do think that Reggie had the ability, wants to use that ability. And, um, you know, I think, I think everybody has talked about Reggie being, you know, know, kind of that steady Eddie kind of, kind of running back that Illinois has kind of wanted to have. Um, But yeah, I think with Caden emerging, especially after the Minnesota game and what he did before he got injured, um, this running back room is still very, very stable in the sense that there is a lot of talent in that room. However, with the amount of season-ending injuries that Brett Bielema suffered in that room in 2023, I think that there's something that that just Brett Bielema shakes his head every time he brings it up because when you have five season-ending injuries in that room, um, he's never had that before. I don't know if anybody's ever had that before, but there is significant talent in that room, and we you did see that Aiden Lawfrey was a talent that they wanted to use coming out of that room and was able to come back from a pretty significant uh, injury, lower body injury um, to play in the season finale against Northwestern. So they have options. I, Josh McCray is 
uh, you know, has not announced he's going anywhere, did not announce on Monday he's going anywhere. So as of right now, he's still in that room. And um, they have a really, really talented uh, freshman coming in and Khalil Valentine from Arizona uh, that they are really, really excited about as a, as a potential sca- uh, speed scat back. So uh, there's a lot of – and obviously Jordan Anderson, I watched him in high school, Larry, at, at – uh, Joliet Catholic. And I, and a lot of people saw him run for over 300 yards and four touchdowns in his state championship game. He's just never been healthy um, since he got to Illinois. Uh, and, and if that talent were to emerge healthy, I think that Illinois is really, really excited with what they have with that ward in that room. So I, I Reggie is going to be a, a, a vital piece for somebody. Um, it could be Illinois. He has the option to come back if he wants to and, and, and rejoin it out of the portal. It's happened before, but but uh, Brett Bielma kind of knew where this was headed, and and there's a very very deep talent pool in that room, um, with or without Reggie Love. Yeah, Love to your point, uh, rush for a team high 596 yards. That's the lowest total any leading rushers had for Bielma. To your point, in terms of everyone being injured um, at some point, and and just uh, it was a catastrophe, uh, but still a bright future there in the Illinois backfield. Uh, some other names that in terms of guys um, not coming back next year, who else uh, who else is out there? Tip Ryman. Uh, Tip Ryman declared for the draft on Tuesday afternoon on Instagram. Um, now, this is interesting because, again, Tip can come back. I have made this point on our on our boards, on our line, guys. He can come back unless Tip signs financial compensation with an agent. Technically, now with the new NIL rules, he can actually be represented by somebody as long as he doesn't sign financial you know, commitment papers um, and then come back and not have to reapply for NCAA eligibility. He has allowed, he has uh, agreed to play in the East West Shrine game. Um, People will know that that is a game Alex Palczewski played in and then came back to Illinois. Um, So Tip has a lot of options right now. um, And I think he's going to investigate his NFL opportunity. um, Everybody kind of knows Tip's situation. Uh, he is a, he's going, he's an Illinois, he is going to be a graduate in December, um, this month. So he will walk. He has that ability. Uh, I do not believe tip is going to transfer. I don't think that that's how this works. Everybody kind of knows tip situation. He's married. Uh, his wife works in Champaign as a physical therapist. This has always kind of been an option for tip is to investigate the NFL opportunity, but then have the option to come back and be a vital piece for in a tight end room that, that doesn't have a lot of experience, but is, is um, you know, needs tip Ryman to come back from a leadership standpoint. And if he does not come back, they need a significant increase with a Henry Boyer or a Tanner Arkin or somebody else in that room. Tip Ryman's kind of the leader of that room and honestly the leader of, of that locker room. And so he's a, he's a major leadership piece, although being also very, very physical player that Bielema likes at tight end, um, so he, he will be missed if he's not there, if he's not coming back, but he's investigating his professional opportunity. But again, I will remind everybody, he has the option to come back. Uh, and, and, uh, the, the, the other one to me is, um, you know, the addition, uh, you know, Clay, Clay Patterson from Yale is a big time addition because of the position he plays and the experience that he has. He's a four-year player in the Ivy league three-year starter in the Ivy League, and plays defensive line. And you're going to have to replace the the law firm of Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. This is an experienced piece at 295 pounds to do that. And I think that Illinois is really, really excited about being able to get him in the portal, get him in the boat very, very quickly, because I believe his offers would have not only would have done nothing but increase the longer that he was in the portal once, once it opened up on Monday. It, that felt like it just was a huge get. Um, I read either 
your post on IlliniGuys.com or pod, could have been on the Eye on the Illini podcast. You feel that as of right now, you slot Patterson in as a starter uh, along that front line to replace uh, what you lost if, at the moment going into 2024. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, youth. I think T. Ryan Edwards, uh, you lose all three guys. You lose Denzel Daxon, you lose the law firm of Newton and Randolph. So you, you've got a lot of youth and experience up front right now. You just do, okay? And so said McConnell was was a piece that they could use. You know, he, he was, you know, a, a sophomore out of Atlanta that was kind of an, a, a reserve piece. I think he has, he's got to take a step up. Clay Patterson is somebody I think that you can plug in there and play. And then T. Ry Edwards is the nose tackle. For the, you know, he transferred a long time ago from Northwestern, but he's making that transition to the three, four, the bare front that Illinois wants to run. It's not what Pat Fitzgerald was running at Northwestern. It's been a transition for him, especially in order to change his body. He has done that. Terrence Jamison has been very happy with him. Those are the three guys that I project to be, you know, in the mix to start up front on the D line next year, but then you still need more pieces. And so I think that Illinois is still going to be active in the transfer portal uh, for, for defensive line help if they can get it. And I think, you're going to see more Clay Patterson-ish type deals for Illinois. And what I mean by that is guys that are either going to try to make the step up from junior college or the guys that are going to make the step up from a lower level like the Ivy League and test themselves and see what they can do at, you know, in the Big Ten and at the high FBS level. So that's that's another piece to this Clay Patterson thing. There's a guy that started three years. I I, I you know I went to a school that is F, that plays FCS football just like the Ivy League. Um, and it's it's very, very competitive at the high end level. And I know the Ivy League is very, very competitive and they have guys that get drafted out of that every single year. The issue with Clay, with Clay Patterson to me is or not the issue, but the excitement about Clay Patterson to me in this issue is that he has played in front of big environments before, you know, the game. Harvard Yale game gets 50,000 people every every year okay and I know that he plays in front of four to five thousand people in his home games before that but that's a huge game he has success and also I've tracked you know he's the problem with with the Ivy League is they don't play a whole lot of FBS opponents because they don't need to they don't need the money they don't do that but when he has he has played UConn he has played some other FBS games Yale has played some other FBS games he has been very, very good. He has been very, very dominant. And so that leads you to believe that he can step in and be a contributing factor here at Illinois. And, and I, I do think it's another example of Brett Bielema trying to find somebody who is willing to make that transition and, and maybe play up to the level that he probably should have been playing at all along. Yeah. Hey, I've got about a minute left. I want to ask you, sure. you know, no, there's no bowl game for Illinois. So you, uh, you lose those, NCAA allowed 15 practices right in December that you get a chance to. Sure. What can this program do, the players and the staff, to improve themselves without having the advantage of those extra uh, practices as they work towards spring? It's tank right time. And, and that's 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 how I describe it. I think these winter conditioning workouts are going to be huge. I think the 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 strength staff and the conditioning staff is going to be put to the test here. And I think you've got guys that are going to have to change their bodies. They're going to have to basically make sure these winter conditioning. If you ever talk to strength and conditioning coaches and, and, and strength guys is that this gets them ready for the spring and gets them ready for, for what they're what the next, if they're going to take another leap, if you're going to have a Gabe Yakis take another leap, if you're going to have, you know, like I talked about T. Rye Edwards, take another leap, anybody on the defensive line, if you're going to take these offensive linemen and have them take another leap after Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl walk out the door, 
the winter conditioning workouts are what you know sets everybody apart before they get to spring so that's how you that's how you keep this roster intact that's how you keep this this locker room kind of gelled and that's who you kind of know who can make a difference for you in 2024 going into this spring Awesome. Matt, great work all season long. I know you've got a special project you're working on. We will talk with you on the show about that next week. That's called a tease in the business, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Matt Stevens, always good to talk to you. Have a good weekend. We'll check check in with you next week. You too, boss. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it. Matt Stevens, once again, he's at lineiguys.com. He's a football writer and analyst for the website. Uh, great stuff, insider info. Uh, and again, um, uh, the voice of reason for us here. He makes sure he keeps us uh, on the straight and narrow as I get off on my wild tangents. And you know what Cagley does. So anyway. All right. Uh, the wonderful, great Danny Werfel, what he's doing now. And um, we get his thoughts on the Heisman Trophy. If he'll let us, we'll see. That's next here on the Sports Spectacular. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. This is David Williams, a leading receiver from the University of Illinois, here on Illini Guy on Sports Spectacular. Go Illini. Well, it's a big weekend. Uh, we've got the college football bowl and playoff thing set, so now it's a big awards week. And uh, one guy who knows all about this week, uh, 1996 Heisman Trophy winner. He is the uh, namesake of the Danny Warfel Trophy. Of course, we were talking about uh, Danny Warfel is here with us right now. Uh, former NFL quarterback, Florida great, um, and doing some amazing things uh, in our community. Danny, uh, welcome to the show. Good to talk to you. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Yeah, I want to start with, first off, um, get us caught up on some of the things that you're doing um, uh, that 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 doesn't involve uh, football. You've done a thing with ministries now. I know you grew up in the church, uh, inspired by your dad. Um, tell us about some of the things that you're, you've got going right now in the Southeast. Yeah, well, Desire Street Ministries, I started volunteering with in New Orleans in 1997 as a rookie. I joined the staff in 04 and became the director in 06. And uh, we work in under-resourced neighborhoods, primarily in the Southeast. Uh, We partner with heroic leaders that have already uh, moved in, lived there, doing incredible work, uh, but often don't have the training, the resources. You know, when I think about my football career, Coach Spurrier really you know, I wouldn't be here talking to you was with it not someone had invested and taught and developed me. And so Desire Street, we partner and and work with leaders for five years in under-resourced neighborhoods. And we're in the middle of a five-year plan to impact 20 neighborhoods by 2025. So that's uh, Desire Street Ministries. Yeah, that is really cool. And I know you're based in Atlanta, um, but you're, like you said, you're going all over. Tell us about other cities that you're now involved in. Yeah, we go as far uh, west as Dallas, uh, we've got partners in uh, Birmingham, Montgomery, a couple in Atlanta, uh, Augusta, Georgia, Orlando, Florida. It's really 
based more on the, the right connection. We have a lot of people that, that apply to, to partner with us. And if it's the right fit, uh, then we're, we're good to go. So one question, if, if somebody was wanting to help out, they, they hear what you're talking about, what steps would they go through or how would they contact, you know, the uh, desire street to contribute or, or, you know, find some way to help? Yeah. Desirestreet.org is our website. You can get all the information there. And especially if you live in a city where we have a partner ministry, there may be some opportunities for volunteering as well. Um, so yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. It's pretty cool. Uh, and then you've got the Warfel Foundation as well. And, and we talk about trophies. Um, this is a big week for you guys uh, as well. Yeah. So uh, many years ago, uh, a group started giving away a community service award for college football. They wanted to name it after me. And I was like, there's already too many awards, so I appreciate it. But no, uh, <laughs> but actually the former director of the Heisman Trophy sat me down. And he said, Danny, this is a community service award and football could really use this. And so we started doing that years ago. Uh, it's grown. It's, it's awesome now. We had over 100 nominees of Division One college football players this year. We, uh, we've got that down to our three finalists, uh, which is pretty amazing. We have uh, J.D. Bertrand from Notre Dame is just a beast of a player and community service. Blake Corum, also uh, running back from Michigan, had a phenomenal career uh, on and off the field. And then Lad McConkey, the receiver for Georgia. And uh, our winner is going to be announced uh, Friday night on the College Football Award shows live and interviewed. And then the winner will also join me in New York this weekend for all the Heisman festivities. The Heisman Trophy Trust wants to honor the Warfel Trophy winner. So it's a big week. We're, we're very excited. And, you know, when you look at that, uh, what are the type of activities that these players do that people don't hear about that puts them in this, you know, rarefied air to be nominated for this award? Yeah, well, for instance, Blake Corum, uh, got involved with the turkey drive at a Ypsilanti, Michigan, a few years ago. And I think they did, you know, 30 turkeys to families. Well, the second year, they they did 300 turkeys. And this past year, they did 600 meals. And they actually go deliver it them themselves. That's just one example for Blake. You know, JD, uh, he started putting meals together for, for people in under-resourced neighborhoods when he was three and has continued all the way through. He's in charge of a, a group called Uplifting Athletes that do do great work. And then, you know, like Lad McConkey, there's probably not a nonprofit anywhere near Athens that he hadn't been to in the last few years. He just got quite a resume uh, of, of events that he's participating in. It's it's really built on their their body of work and community service. So these three guys happen to be phenomenal football players and great in the classroom as well. But they're really being honored here uh, for their community service. You know, usually you're either like the best player on the best team and you get press or you did something pretty stupid and you get press. In this case, we're trying to shine the spotlight on the good things they're doing. Uh, talking with Danny Werfel again, the 1996 Heisman Trophy winner. What does it mean to you? Um, obviously, your humility comes through in everything that you do, every conversation um, that I've had with you or I've seen you have have with others. Um, you certainly you deflect the praise. Um, but what's it mean to you to have your name associated with a trophy like this um, given to somebody who is doing this kind of work, uh, not just on the field, obviously, fantastic athletes, great uh, athletic career, um, but making a difference in their communities? I mean, it's pretty humbling. It's honoring. It's a little bit of pressure. You know, I got to really be careful how I'm living my life now that that there's a, a trophy. Usually they don't 
do that until like you're dead. So uh, I got to be, <laughs> be be really careful. Um, it's it's incredible that the group, if you look at the the former winners and all the things they've accomplished in their lives, what they're doing now um, and these guys again. And it's really, you know, everybody talks about the Heisman fraternity and that's a really cool thing. We see each other each year, but the group of Werfel Trophy winners are a very special group of men. And to be a part of that is absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing. And, you know, I try to be honest with myself. I'm human too. There's like a little middle school kid inside of me that likes to hear my name called still. So I've got to keep that guy in check. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah, that, that, that's a, a awesome achievement. Now I wanted to pivot a little bit and ask you a couple questions, especially as a Gator. How did you feel about what happened with Florida State in the CFP and obviously that jockeying of Alabama, you know, and Texas and and what were your assessment of that as somebody who's been involved in college football for a long time at the at the highest levels? Yeah, well, it's it's never been perfect. That's for sure. You go back. I would say three things. Uh, One. I feel really bad, actually, for for a handful of teams. I think there were seven teams that really earned an opportunity to to play in a, in a playoff this year. I think, you know, look at the four that made it, but you have Florida State, I think Georgia, and, and also Ohio State also all on the field played well enough to make it. So I feel really bad for all three of those teams that didn't make it, uh, especially Florida State. I mean, that that, that would be a heartbreaking situation. Um, secondly, uh, I'm really glad that this is the last year of that system. I think, uh, these types of conversations, although they'll never, ever be perfect, they get better each time. I mean, I remember when different people were playing different teams and just claiming national titles. <clears throat> and then when we finally even went to four, <clears throat> that was a huge step up. So, uh, one, I feel bad for the teams that didn't make it Two, uh, I'm glad we're switching it. And three, I think it was really an impossible decision for that group, that committee. And I think they did the best they could. And I support the decision that they made. You know, it seems like this was always inevitable. You have four spots, but five power conferences. So I think it's remarkable. We made it this far before we had this level of controversy. Yeah. Agreed. Um, it did take the Alabama LSU crazy BCS title game that we won't get into the history of that to do away with that system. Um, and now it took this. Thankfully, we're about a year too late, but at least it's already in place to to move on, which is a good thing. Um, who do you, we we got to ask? Who do you like in this? I mean, it's like you said, there are seven fantastic teams. Um, we've got two really good matchups with four outstanding teams. Who do you like in this to come out uh, in the end? Man, I I don't know. Um, I think any of these teams could pull it out. I haven't seen Texas play uh, a ton, so I, I really don't feel like I can adequately, uh, you know know their their status but i just it's so hard to bet against nick saban um i just think this alabama team is peaking at the right time they've had their struggles which sometimes is actually better uh to kind of go through those early and and to kind of get a few games like the auburn one in the last minute so i think you know they're they're feeling probably pretty fortunate to even be in it so uh you know uh, i'm sure the other teams uh aren't happy that that alabama's there either Nobody's ever happy that Alabama's there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, w- one of the other things as we see is there's there's some dynamic candidates for the Heisman Trophy this year. Obviously, you've been in the rarefied air of one of the people who's actually won that trophy. How do you look at this year's race? Man, got some pretty electric players. Um, 
you know, it, it changed a lot through the year. If you go back and look at the preseason and after the first couple of weeks and even midseason, there were a lot of different names that were clearly dominating this list. Uh, I do think they got it down to the right group that's going to New York. I think all four of these players have had incredible careers. Um, you know, obviously can't say who I'm voting for. Uh, that's something that we we honor. But I, I definitely, as I'm looking at the landscape, it does look to me like, like Jaden Daniels had one of the most unique years. And many of the odds makers seem to be predicting that he'll be the winner, which is even more special, seeming how his team's not. Uh, in the playoffs, you know, a lot of times being a being in the finals at the end draws a lot of uh, allure as well to a Heisman resume. But I think I think in this case, uh, Jane Daniels is a front runner and deservedly so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've always all year long, I was really a big Michael Penix Jr. fan. Uh, but I think you're right. I think you look at the numbers in comparison. It, it One does stand out from the others. I think we all can agree. Marvin Harrison Jr., probably the best player in college football, but may not win this award. But boy, what a future he has. Um, I, I, I do want to get really quick before we let you go. Um, listen, listen, it is rare to get a chance to sit down and spend time with a Heisman Trophy winner. What is the weekend and what is the day like for you? Um not just you know someone obviously who wanted the emotions of that, but but again, it's a it's a small, one of the most exclusive clubs anywhere in the world, right? I mean, you know, what's it like to go back each year and be a part of that? Well, one of the things <clears throat> there's a lot of autograph seekers because you got all these Heisman winners, and they're not always the uh, most quality. Uh, you know, I think a lot of them are selling it basically. So uh, so you kind of try to avoid the the grown up guys with the the greasy hair, but. Uh, but then they started paying kids. So this kid followed me into a bathroom with a gator helmet a few years ago. And I was like, okay, well, who do you want me to make this out to? Because if you put a name on it, oftentimes it's harder to sell. Well, he, the kid froze, right? So I thought I had him. So I'm not signing your helmet unless you tell me your name. And he said, um, I'm sorry, sir. I have no idea who you are. I just saw that you were in that room where Tim Tebow was. And I was going to see if you take my helmet into that room and get Tim to sign it. <clears throat> So that's part of it. I'm probably like the most least famous one in the group, which uh, has its perks sometimes, but it's a great weekend. My wife loves New York. Uh, you know, there's a welcome reception on Friday night. Uh, we'll go to a Broadway show. And then the, the TV show is Saturday night. You get to see all the former winners and spouses. And we get to see coach Spurrier and Jerry who we, we love. And, um, it's just a really, a really neat time. And then Sunday's the the big banquet, the gala, um, and just really get into the richness and the history of college football. And, you know, sitting in a place where you got guys like Pete Dawkins from 1966, who is one of the most accomplished human beings I know from, from his time in Army to being a Rhodes Scholar, to being a general um, and, you know, he's not the guy that, that went to the NFL and made a lot of money. He's on Sports Center, but he's part of this tradition and, and just an amazing guy. And you just kind of go through all the list of these players and getting to kind of be around them. And uh, guys that I, you know, just followed when I was a kid and um, just a, it's an incredible experience. It, it's awesome. And, you know, there's so much change right now in college football. To me, this weekend, you know, the downtown athletic club in Manhattan, the Heisman trophy is just one of those traditions that I think we all can kind of hold on to and think about. I remember when this player played or this player won or the, what they did later. And you're exactly right. Danny, we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of uh, your time this week to talk to us. Have a great time this weekend. We can't wait to see Friday night. And of course, for those who right. Saturday, we already know the winner, um, three outstanding 
and, and and congrats and God bless and all the work that you're doing as well. It is uh, you've always been such a just a genuine uh, gentleman, and we certainly appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Thank appreciate you. It. Danny Werfel, once again, he's the 1996 Heisman Trophy winner. And be sure to check out what he's doing, DesireStreet.org. And again, the Werfel Foundation, uh, they're uh, doing the Danny Werfel Trophy and a very uh, deserving young man winning that. And certainly, again, we appreciate his time here. Stay with us. We've got more to come after this. Keep it here. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Guys, talk a little uh, college basketball right here. What a week. I mean, you know, usually, you know, you college football ends and then you slowly get into college basketball, but the hoops season really ramped up once football was done. Oh, no question. You know, you left the Maui Classic and then you went into boom. And usually it's like after Maui, it's like like you're waiting for that conference season to kick off and all these games. But man, you had AV Classic to, to attend. And those were some great games. Florida Atlantic and Illinois. Um, Florida Atlantic, of course, you know, coming off Final Four run 35 and four a year ago, brings everybody back. Um, and Illinois, you know, was able to uh, beat the Owls. Uh, fantastic game and then uh connecticut over north carolina and then the question becomes now you look at connecticut can they repeat you know and and i think those are you know that that's a really good basketball team and they looked really good against north carolina there at madison square garden of course we also raised 1.4 million dollars for cancer which is never a bad thing either nice yeah the, the 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 cool thing about having a 64 or 68 team field is that it gives you reasons to build your strength of schedule and get victories over good teams. The thing that you hear pushback on currently in the four-team system in college football because you don't want to take that loss and risk not making it into the Final Four. And I think that's the structural difference between college basketball and college football and as fans – we win with an incredible schedule that we would see and, and just some of the games that we'll talk about coming up. Yeah, it's just outstanding. By the way, how good is that Florida Atlantic team? Um, Illinois shot 63% from the field and only won by nine. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how good FAU is. And a great stat I saw, 31 baskets, field goals made, 23 assists on those 31 baskets, just incredible. Yeah. Uh, and and you're right. UConn looks really good. Um, I, dare, I would dare to say maybe better than they were at this point last year. I know they were undefeated, the big start, but they, they look really good. Um, they've, they've got something going there. They're back. Um, another couple of other games too. How about Marquette um, getting out of can of whoop, you know what on Texas and another final four team going down grand Canyon knocking off San Diego state. Yeah, fun game. Shout out to Bryce Drew out at Grand Canyon. He's building something really nice out there. I was looking at their predictions. They've got one more uh, game where they're not favored, and then they're favored in every game the rest of the year. 
Um, so that's pretty wild when you when you think about that. But good one for them. But Shaka Smart, you know, gets his gets to play Texas again. Number eight, Marquette, number 12, Texas. And it, it was they were just outclassed. Max Amos is uh for Texas was fantastic, hit three threes to start that game, but Marquette just had to Tyler Kolick, 28 points, eight rebounds. He's fantastic. Um, they have a really good Marquette has a really good, they've got the two scores. Really good team and very diverse because they ha- then they have the big guy who can really defend. He's versatile and he can score when he needs to. The, they're they're really good and you can see why they're ranked so highly right now. Yeah, that team is going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. They've are and they're also playing. You know, going toe to toe already obviously with a win over Illinois. Uh, did lose to Wisconsin, who's been a surprise team. Uh, people thought they were going to be solid, but I don't think people thought they were in the class to beat Marquette. The, this is one of those seasons where you're also looking to see what is the team that's going to exceed expectations and push their way or force their way into the national discussion. And early on, Wisconsin, especially with uh, beating Michigan State as well, is is really making their mark early in the season. Yeah, the Badgers, six straight wins. We'll talk about them in just a moment here. Um, looking out good, they they beat Marquette. Another team that's rebounding from that one loss was uh, Kansas. Uh, got upset by Marquette, right, at the Maui Invitational a couple of weeks ago. Uh, back up to number two in the polls. They take on uh, Missouri. And, um, uh, you know, the Jayhawks, I think, number two in the country, but still trying to find their way through. There's some question marks on this team. Well, they're 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 starting five is fantastic. I mean, these guys are really good. The problem they have is when they have to go past six on the bench, and they, you know, those other guys haven't gotten there yet, and they don't have great depth. And you know, if they had an injury to uh, Hunter Dickinson or someone like that, you know, or Kevin McCullers, boy, it, it would be tough for them because they just don't have the depth. Yeah, and Hunter's into full um, jerk mode uh, with with. <laughs> Running into, you know, get, getting into uh, little altercations on the floor uh, certainly uh, is into into full mood mode of of uh, being a frustration for people out there on the on the court against him. But the Kansas team is not deep, but boy, are th- th- they can put a really talented starting lineup out there. Uh, yeah, they sure can. But uh, Hunter Dickinson, yeah, first off, he had the, the the flop that even Samuel L. Jackson went to X and called him out of the flop. He said like he's on the soccer pitch. And they gave the flagrant foul of the day that was just really just a, a dumb call against Kansas City. You know, plays like that, you wonder, um, will he be worth the investment uh, down the line? Hopefully he can control himself. Uh, but it's uh, Kansas versus Missouri, the former Big 8 foes, uh, 5-15 tip on ESPN Saturday. Here's Bill Self talking about what you guys were saying in terms of trying to find some consistency off the bench. From a uh, uh, execution standpoint and, and, and some things like that, I think we're still quite a ways away. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And we got to develop. Uh, I actually think Parker Brown didn't get a chance to play the other day. I actually think he's been the most consistent guy of guys five through nine. Uh, 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 it's just hard to play him when Hunter's not in the game because you lose so much scoring, you know, but, but, but uh, uh, I think he's done a, been the most consistent performer of those guys, but we still got to develop guys uh, uh, and get guys playing where they can play in a big game and, and us not take a, a, a step backwards. From sub. That's Bill Self. Once again, Kansas uh, and Missouri, another big game we're watching Illinois um, at Tennessee, another top 25 matchup. You know, when this was announced, Illinois trying to find some replacement games with the ACC Big Ten Challenge gone, 
Um, you can't find anything better than this. This will be a really good matchup. Yeah, you know, Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're at home in Knoxville. And and you've got an Illinois team that, that's hot right now. They are playing really well. Their only loss is to Marquette, who we talked about. Um, and, and since that time, you know, they beat Florida Atlantic and they pretty much cruised in, in, in all their other games. Really impressive. Um, you know, we, we Tennessee, we kind of give them, you know, they have three losses. But you have to remember they lost to Purdue. They lost to Kansas. They lost to North Carolina. It isn't like they're losing to bad teams. They got some really uh, – that, that's a really tough schedule they've played already. And, and so this is a, this is going to be a really fun game. I think these are two of the best defenses in the country. They both have athleticism and length should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And it, it'll be a good test for the Illini who have not played a team like this on the road um, will, will be a, a real test for their skills because going into Tennessee is not an easy place to win and the one thing that Brad Underwood is famous for saying is that defense and rebounding travels. Uh, this will be a very interesting time to see how well it travels for this Illini team. Yeah, third straight game for Illinois away from their home arena. A big win at Rutgers, one of the toughest places to play and try to win in the Big Ten. And then, of course, uh, the neutral game side, as you mentioned a moment ago, uh, in New York City at the Jimmy V over Florida Atlantic. Uh, Tennessee coach Rick Barnes talking about um, – his own gauntlet that his Vols have run through here in the early season. Someone asked me about if I'd ever coached a team that played that kind of schedule in November, and I don't – I mean, I know I haven't, but I also know that – think about the travel that was involved with it, you know, uh, going to Michigan State, getting back up to uh, Madison, and then obviously going to Maui and all that. It's, we've done a lot of traveling, but, uh, again, you have to believe it's going to help you, and I can only tell you uh, we break the game down after the North Carolina game like we do every game, talk about it. It also reminded the guys about uh, this is a, it's a long way to go. You go back to a year ago, you had a team like Creighton who went over, won uh, Maui, came home, lost five straight. I think UConn last year at one time lost five or six straight. And, and not that I want to lose five or six straight games, but the fact is we got to be where we need to be when it counts most. And hopefully what this schedule is going to do for us is get us ready for the SEC and then Hopefully you can win enough games to put yourself in the postseason play, and that's when you want to get your best. So Illinois, Tennessee, two uh, top 20 teams. Once again, that's uh, a noon tip-off, and that one is on CBS. Guys, a couple of other games uh, of interest want to kind of talk about. Uh, we mentioned Wisconsin, the Badgers, and their hot streak. They take on number one Arizona. Uh, and Purdue um, coming off uh, the loss uh, a week ago, the upset loss on the road at Northwestern in overtime. Uh, they get Alabama, another really good matchup. Yeah, I think this is uh, this Purdue team. I mean, you, you look at what they've done, and they've been able to, you know, beat win, win the Maui Classic, and they you know, then they kind of had a letdown. But Alabama is a is a huge test for them because, and and I guess when you look at this, you could say, well, Purdue, you know, they're one and or they're ranked you know, whatever fourth. They were number one. They're playing Alabama, who's you know lost three games already. But here's the deal. This is games on. This is a not a home game for Purdue. This is another test for them going on the road, and and Alabama has so many athletes, you know, and that's the one thing I think the Purdue perimeter guys will have struggled with a little bit is really athletic teams. Now Zach Eady's going to get Zach Eady. He's going to score his twenty and whatever twelve or whatever he gets, but. Alabama has the ability to kind of lock down a little bit on those perimeter guys and also can take advantage of them a little bit on the other end. So this should be a really tough test for Purdue. 
Yeah, I expect Alabama to try to control the pace of the game. With those athletes, they can make it really, really hard. And maybe you go into the situation that the old Celtics used to do against uh, Wilt Chamberlain, which is let Zach Eady get his points and we'll just lock down the rest of the team and see how well they compete because not, not to knock the, the Purdue lineup, but, but Edie is a unique and almost unstoppable force, but the rest of the team doesn't really fall into that category. Guys, here's the thing too about these early season games, these non-conference games. Um, I love all the special matchups. First off, like the Jimmy V, obviously it's for a great cause. Um, but I, I think it's it goes again to the parity where in college basketball, you know, sixteen different teams in the last four final fours, right? I mean, I mean, parity is everywhere. And I think part of I love these early season matchups where the days of like, you know, remember the eighties and nineties where Georgetown would, would run and hide and play like nobody until the big east? You can't do that now because one, there's no guarantee in these massive conferences you're gonna play the best teams to build mm-hmm. a resume. That's number one. Uh, and number two, you, you're not going to be ready when it comes to March. Yeah, you know, back when the Big Ten was literally 10 teams, you could do that because you knew you were playing a double, you're playing nine, you know, 18 games, nine teams twice, right? Yeah. You can't do that anymore because there's chance the Big Ten, let's say, for example, you could only play Purdue once, Illinois once, Wisconsin once. Where are you going to get your quality wins? you got to get some out, you know, non-conference wins, right? So, your or games, just for that strength of schedule and – um, yeah, I, I think these are great. I, I think it's fun to see, you know, I look at like a team that that's, you know, they, some of these are in these tournaments, but now we're seeing it even more in just regular season games. I mean, look at, if you look at Arizona, do you realize they have Wisconsin, then they're at Purdue and then they have Florida Atlantic and Alabama over like a, their next four games. Wow. I mean, they're ranked number one, but whew, how about a gauntlet, you know, they, and I, and I love to see teams challenge themselves before they head into conference play. And that's really the the model that Tom Izzo has used at Michigan State for two decades, where they play teams that you're like, you look at the schedule in the preseason and your thought is why, but then, you know, <laughs> it, it, then all of a sudden Izzo's in another final four and you go, Oh, that's why. So I think, I think this is great. And, and again, the other fan or the other the fans win, but the other part that we don't think about is is the networks you know who have contracts to broadcast this. When they have more good games, that just means better advertising and better ratings, and and again the fans end up winning. But certainly there's some dollars that follow that to reward um, you know teams for playing better competition. Yeah, and I think that you know now you're you're ready for March. I mean, look at Wisconsin, right? You you go at Michigan State. Um, which again, Michigan State only, only air quotes four and four. But to your point, there's still Michigan State. That's how you open the Big Ten season with a win there. And then that's on Tuesday. You come back then four days later and you're playing number one Arizona. Um, Illinois taking on number 11, Florida Atlantic in a neutral site. Four days later, they're at number 17, uh, Tennessee. So it gives you that March feel. You're, you're not playing, you know, St. Leo and and then an NAIA school after that, you know, Georgetown of the 1990s. I mean, you know, you're not doing that. You know, you're going after, and now you get a feel for when you get to tournament time, it's no big deal to have to play a tough team on one day's rest because you've already done that, you know, back in right. December, ready for that. It's huge. Number one, Arizona, just to give you perspective, there are, just like exactly the point you mentioned, there are no ranked teams in the Pac-12 right now, but 
Arizona's already played at Duke. They've played Michigan State. They pl- they're going to play Wisconsin at Purdue, Alabama, and Florida Atlantic in the non-conference because they really need to because the Pac-12 doesn't have a bunch of ranked teams. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And it's and as incredible they were in football, all the teams are ranked. Suddenly they've become, you know, Arizona is the Gonzaga now, um, you know, of the Pac-12, right? Like, yep. You better yep. play them now because you're not going to get those points later. So For you St. Leo fans, it's uh, Larry at BigSportsRadio.com. <laughs> you know, bring it, baby. Bring it on. You're slamming our St. Leo. <laughs> All right. A little Heisman talk uh, coming Pope's. up next. Look at here. <laughs> Are you tired of your friends and family members being the center of attention? Always the life of the party? Always the one who knows something no one else does? Then change the game with IlliniGuys.com. Insider info on your favorite teams. Analysis on the latest games. Weekly chats with coaches. You take control of the room with IlliniGuys.com. Regular updates from the experts put you courtside and in the locker room. But wait, there's more. Act now and get this free IlliniGuys sweatshirt. Comfortable. Stylish. Tell the world, I'm an Illini guy and you're not. Don't delay. This is a limited time offer. Go to IlliniGuys.com. Click the Black Friday button, and you are on your way to cool guy status. Feature articles, game analysis, members-only message boards with insider info, plus the cool sweatshirt, all yours. May they never ignore you again. Thanks to IlliniGuys.com. Sign up today. Okay, second Saturday in December, and that means uh, it's Heisman Trophy time. Listen, we've got four fantastic candidates. You can make an argument for any of the four. Uh, Marvin Harrison, the great wide receiver from Ohio State, and the three quarterbacks, Jaden Daniels, LSU, Bo Nix of Oregon, and Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. That's the guy I've been, you know, touting, um, you know, all season long. All right, so we've got it. We've got a couple of minutes here. Um, Lay out the argument for each. Well, I'll, I'll take. Uh, you think Marvin Harrison's the best player overall, right? I mean, I, we, I do. Yeah. I, I think Marvin Harrison's the best player in college football, but I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. And I, I don't. I'm not sure what I think. If had they had they beat Michigan, I think it's a different argument, right? I mean, you're, you're then you've led your team there. So that's why, you know, if I get, a, I think Jaden Daniels and Marvin Harrison are the two best players in college football, but Michael Penix deserves the Heisman because his team won, and at the end of the day. In my opinion, that's the most important thing. Now, I would say Jaden Daniels is the most prolific, you know, his offense. He wins. Marvin Harrison wins. I, I would not be upset at all. I'm, But my vote would go to Michael Penix. Unlike Danny Warfel, I will give you who, I, who I'm picking <laughs> for the Heisman um, in, in this thing. Now, I, Bo Nix, Bo Nix had a great year. I just think he's not even – I think he's fourth. I mean, I don't think there's any way he wins. Now, also, unlike Danny Werfel, you haven't won a Heisman, so you're under no obligation. Hey, I have a Heisman. It's just a different. It's just a little bitty one I bought. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So buying a, a a Charles Woodson action figure, I don't think counts. <laughs> but that's that's fine, Brad. Um, you know, I, I look at this one, and, and I I got to be honest with you, I look at Daniels all the way. I I think he had a year that that to me is Lamar Jackson esque. Not fair to compare players because they're individuals, but over a thousand yards rushing, unbelievable. I don't know, thirty nine hundred whatever yards passing, forty touchdowns. I mean, he has had a great year for a running back, 
who also has a great year for a wide receiver. And it's not his fault. Brian Kelly's an idiot. So there's nothing but he can do about thing. that. If he was, if he wants to win the Heisman, he's got to play defense for LSU too. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody should. <laughs> and Brian Kelly's not going to do it. And Brian Kelly apparently doesn't care about it. <laughs> no, he, I, I agree. He had a fantastic year. Probably had the best. I mean, best statistically he had the best year in college football, but doesn't matter. I mean, what are they, eight and four? Yeah, but he can't. Your but your point, I thought was a good one though. They were, they 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 have defensive backs who are just, as they say, incompetent, and and you know the poor guy. You can't blame him for the fact that there's there's literally just some horrible horrible play out of that position. No, and I think he's going to win. That's my prediction. It'll be him, but that's not who I would pick. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I think I'm with you that I think what Penix has done for a team that I don't think they started top 10 um, preseason and right around and, that. Yeah. They, yeah. And they were top, top 12, top 15, whatever, but, but they just, they kept winning week in, week out, finding ways to do it. Um, he had it. He had a nice setup season, which used to, you needed that not so much anymore because there's so much hype in social media. Um, but I, I think I, I'm with you. I think that it's a voters like stats. They don't watch every single game. And when you compare the stats of the four, Daniel stands out. And I think there's no question. But one thing you know is it was we did talk about with Danny Warfare earlier that one thing I love about the Heisman Trophy, the presentation and all the pomp and circumstance that comes with that, even though ESPN has dressed it up, made it, you know, a made for TV kind of thing, is that with all the change in college football, that's remained constant. And I think that's what makes this award so special, even now compared to past decades is that it's such a small fraternity and it's the same thing every year. And they come out and make that announcement. Yeah, no question. This is big time. I mean, this is, this is the event. And, and I think that's why it's, um, it's really cool. You know, I mean, there's no more, nothing more prestigious in college football than this award. And, and it's, it, you almost become like a, a living legend when you win the Heisman to a certain extent, you know what I mean? It really, you really do. Which is back to why you bought that Charles Woodson action figure. <laughs> this, is, this is correct. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, in his Raider jersey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, never, never, never Michigan. Um, the the interesting thing, I, I think, you know, you hit on the tradition that that cloaks the Heisman and and makes it the the prestige that makes it what it is. And I do think this year will go down as one of those years that that it's going to be you'll look across the you know first second and third place and you'll be like oh that, that was a tough decision there are some years that you look at it and you're like oh yeah clearly you know so and so should have won this will be a year that people look back and they'll go yeah there was some contenders this year yeah can i yeah. can i make my last argument in favor of michael Penix? caleb williams has a higher quarterback rating this year than he had last year so if winning doesn't matter then why doesn't he just win again? Yeah, he's not I, I even was, a finalist. I just don't like the winning part because I had to hear for years that Joe Montana is a better quarterback than Dan Marino because he won more Super Bowls. And yet I look at the number of Hall of Famers on that 49ers team versus the Miami team. <laughs> I'm still not certain that Joe Montana, if you reverse their 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 teams, I think I think Marino would still have better passing statistics. And we will leave it there. It has been uh, so much fun these past two hours. Glad you have been with us for all of this. Um, and by the way, uh, we want to definitely, again, thank Danny Werfel. 
Uh, thanks to Eric Kramer for just uh, stepping up and and uh, just giving us his honest take of what was just a terrible experience in his life and to see how he's turned things around. Um, and again, part two of that is coming up uh, next week. So be sure to be here for that. You can catch the entire interview as well uh, on our podcast. We'll have that up for you as well. For Mike and Brad, I'm Larry. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. See you. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.